your work week is over. Kick back and get the latest on the Colts and the NFL. This is The Last Word, the off-season home of the Colts, with Jeffrey Gorman and Matt Taylor. Yes, hello again, everyone, and welcome to The Last Word, 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan, my name is Jeffrey Gorman, joined week in and week out by the man himself, the best in the business, Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts. Matey, I know you're uh, surrounded in some slush, some freezing rain, everything else that you got. Temperatures are going up, temperatures are going down. Hey, how's the driveway over at the Taylors and the front porch? Uh, well, we were good. I got the slush removed a couple days ago. Now we got, more, we got some more freezing rain. Where are you posted up? Where are you physically located right now, my friend? Well, I'd love to say parts unknown and keep it mysterious, but ah, screw it. I'll just tell you, man. I'm in the heart of Scottsdale. It's like 77 degrees. It is sunny. Uh, this, you know, a little bit different temperature than it is in Indianapolis. And let's just say I won't be going downtown for a Friday evening uh, in Indianapolis tonight. <laughs> I'll probably be hanging out here in the desert in the mountains, Matt. That dry air, soak it in there, Gorman. Shoot him straight later on this weekend, my friend. You Good know luck it. To you on the links, yeah. You know it. Hey, man, I know it's the off season right now, but a lot's going on and it never ends. It's still the biggest game on the stage, even when they're not in season. The Super Bowl has come and gone. Congratulations to the Rams and Stafford and everything else. Had a fun time watching those boys at the parade. Everyone taking their shirts off. That's what it's about. So Aaron Donald will be back. Matthew Stafford, Sean McVay will be back. So we have established a champion. And now we're, we're, you know us, and I'm talking about you people. You've driving on 405. You guys way up north, you way down south. We're already thinking of next season. Matt, we are already thinking of what do they do here. Oh, my gosh, there's salary cap issues. What do we do with this potential free agent? Hey, this kid out of Texas Tech is awful good. I'm saying the wheels are always spinning. It doesn't matter what time of the year. And we're done with the Super Bowl less than a week. Absolutely. I mean, officially, every team now is in the offseason now that the Super Bowl has concluded. And we talked about this earlier in the week on the Colts official podcast. In less than two weeks, you're going to have the NFL scouting combine. So just when you think it's going to die down a little bit and the NFL is going to disappear from your sports calendar conscious, if you will, uh, it's coming right back with the combine. Then two weeks after that, you've got NFL free agency, then the draft. So between now and the end of April, man, the NFL is going to be front and center. Maybe outside of those two weeks for the you know March Madness, you know those first couple of weekends of the NCAA tournament, but pretty much from here on out until the end of April, the NFL is still this beast that never sleeps. The NFL scouting combine starts March the 1st through the 7th. Enjoy that in Indianapolis while you can because it is gone, baby, gone after this one, Mate. Yeah. The other owners around the league said, hey, why are they getting this thing? We can put on just a good show and get as much work efficiently done as possible as far as medicals go on these prospects. But the combine, no more after this year in Indianapolis. I know Jim Mercer was kind of ticked about that but hey it's been a tradition but it is it, like like the draft and everything else nfl related they're getting money. it to, yeah, yeah get it to people that want to see it that haven't seen it up close and personal we're going to bring you all that uh, all the latest from the combine as well may i know you've been working non-stop in the offseason getting ready for that but march the first through the seventh you can find out more information on colts.com and of course the colts app let's talk some football right about now okay the colts they have apparently or roughly i'll say 37 million in cap space 
Mayte, seventh most in the league right now, Mayte. Uh, that's going into this offseason. That'll probably change with players coming and going, but right now it sits at $37 million to play with. However, there is no first-round pick. You know this. Carson Wentz, uh, the first and the third. The Colts' first pick in this upcoming draft, number 47, okay? They're also expected to receive two compensatory picks, one for Danico Autry, one for Jacoby Brissett. Now, Chris Ballard, Frank Wright, even Ursay, they're going to try to be erasing the stain of missing these playoffs just a few weeks ago. And they're going to return the Colts to the promised land. Now, Mate, let's go through some offseason needs. Give me what you think. Give me your gut shot at the Colts' biggest needs this offseason, the biggest ones on the board. Yeah, I think I think when you look at it, you know, this offseason looks a lot like last offseason. This time last year, we're wondering who's going to play quarterback. What do the Colts do at left tackle? You know, this time last year, Anthony, Anthony Costanzo had just retired. You know, is T.Y. Hilton coming back in free agency? We talked about that this time last year. Do the Colts have enough playmaking ability at wide receiver? Do they have enough depth at edge rusher to get after the quarterback? All of those same questions still linger here heading into 2022, and, and this time it's headlined by the future of Carson Wentz. And Frank Reich and Chris Ballard were noncommittal at the end of last season about his future. Um, there's the report last weekend that surfaced by ESPN, Chris Mortensen, um, on the Colts possibly looking to move on. I think everything's still in play right here. I think the Colts are going to let the offseason quarterback search play out, but there's no question that everything is on the table and again, it all kind of starts with quarterback and the domino effects around the NFL at quarterback that will impact the Colts' decision on whether or not Carson Wentz is back for year number two in Indianapolis. Yeah, yeah and the team put out a, a statement that says, hey, no no roster positions are, are finalized or have been discussed. Uh, you know, just a way to say, hey, we are not, you know, concrete on this roster and what we're doing. To so it'd be out of line for me or you to say or give our opinion on what's going on in that simply by a report and the word possibly th- being thrown around. But Colts will make the right decisions, find out what's going on with the quarterback situation. And in order to have a quarterback, quarterback standing upright in the NFL you have to keep him clean and it starts at the left tackle position what are we doing with Fisher is he here to stay yeah I think there's a definite possibility that he comes back because the Colts don't have that first round pick like you talked about long-term answers at left tackle right are usually found in the first round left tackles are that coveted position in the league or one of them and until the Colts can find that long-term solution they're going to be looking for viable short-term answers, and I think that's what Fisher is, right? Last season, coming off that torn Achilles, uh, didn't have an offseason because of that. First year in a new scheme. Um, I thought he was really solid in run blocking, but his pass protection grade wasn't as good as it has been in the past for him. Um, at the end of last season, Chris Ballard said that, hey, Eric Fisher's got some really good football still left in him. He's got some good things left in the tank. And I would tend to agree with that. And again, given where the Colts are, not having a first-round pick and needing a left tackle, I wouldn't be surprised at all if Fisher is given another opportunity to come back to the Colts. You know, the other options are making you know a, a big free agent pickup or rely on a rookie drafted outside of round one. And we know the Colts are not going to take a tackle high in the draft if he's not that long-term answer at, again, one of the more important positions on any NFL team. Yeah, don't forget that, uh, you know, Fisher's coming off an injury, an injury that kept him out of the game for a while, obviously not this past season's playoffs, but the season before. So he's right. going to he's gonna bounce back. This year, too, after a major injury like that is usually the better year, obviously. The first year, they're just getting back to their routine. Now, let's switch this over to pass rusher on the other side of the ball. Don't forget Danico Autry, we mentioned him earlier. 
Justin Houston, that's over double-digit sacks that was gone out the door last season. Mayte, what do we do with the pass rush? How much do they have to look into that when it comes free agent time? Yeah, I mean, at the end of the of the season, you know, at the end of the year press conference that Chris Ballard had, he talked about maybe the Colts needed some proven pass rush personnel last season because they want to play in waves. They want to have, you know, eight fresh bodies that can get after the quarterback. They chose, as you said, not to re-sign guys like Justin Houston or Danico Autry. They rolled the dice. They gambled with some of their developmental pieces and young players, giving them a bigger opportunity. And this offseason, heading into March, some of those players are free agents like Kamoko Ture, Al-Kadeem Mohammed, Tyquan Lewis. What do you bring back from that group? What do you prioritize of those guys? Can guys like Quiddy Pay and Dio Adangbo take off in year number two under Gus Bradley now you know now that he's in here as the uh, defensive coordinator so I wouldn't be shocked at all to see the Colts make a run at a veteran pass rusher this offseason to kind of help supplement the development of those long-term answers like Dio Dangbo and Quiddy Pay, guys they drafted last year in the first and second round of the draft. I'm with you, and I do hope that Quiddy Pay has that it factor that we've heard about. Brian Baker, the Colts let him go. The uh, defensive line coach loves the kid. Obviously, a high-round draft choice or a high draft choice in the first round uh, recently at last year's draft. But Quiddy Pay, second year, Bill Polian used to say it all the time, that second-year jump in the NFL is the most significant, and it's one of those that those offensive tackles and defensive ends right. Make the biggest jump. So, Dial, we're talking to you. Quiddy, we're talking to you as well. Can't wait to watch what they do in their sophomore years, if you will. Now, real quick before we go to break, wide receiver, Mate. Wide receiver on the Colts right now. It starts with Michael Pittman Jr. We do have some question marks after that. What are we doing? Are we going after some young guys? Free agency again coming around. Give me some names. Give me some. Yeah, well, we know Michael Pittman. He was Carson Wentz's favorite target last season. He went over 1,000 yards last year and actually became became the first wide receiver to go over 1,000 yards with Carson Wentz as their quarterback. Uh, But outside of Pittman, no other Colts wide receiver had more than 385 receiving yards, and that was the first time that occurred to the Colts since 1988. So it does tell you. Yeah, so obviously, you know, you talk about firepower, and as you said, T.Y. Hilton's contemplating retirement, and he's a free agent. So between those two things, there's a pretty good chance that he's not coming back next season. Zach Paschal's a free agent. Uh, Mike Strawn basically had there a redshirt year. Desmond Patman, I think, is an interesting guy. He's got a lot of upside. Big body, yep. Yeah, big body guy. He made that big play you know, on Christmas night in Arizona. I think Ashton Doolin's got a lot of upside. But bottom line is, though, the Colts don't have a ton of proven production. Those guys have not been counted upon you know, to get you, you know, 700, 800 yards receiving in a season. And so it's going to be really interesting if Zach Pascal and T.Y. Hilton do not come back in free agency. So we'll see how much belief there is in the returning talent based on what the Colts do starting in free agency. Remember that. Remember what you said, because everybody loves Splash, but in order to get to Splash, you got to produce on the field. Ashton Doolin, right. you know, that's a guy that's going to make a difference. Michael Strawn, that's a guy that's going to make a difference in year two, and they're rare athletes. The speed and size that Doolin has, same thing with Michael Strawn. Like, we're okay, folks. Don't Just because, you know, Chad Johnson isn't coming out of retirement to join the Colts, don't worry about it. We've got some pass catchers and young guys with big bodies. You mentioned Desmond Patman as well. I do like where we're at. I do think we need a veteran or two and figure out what's going on, like you said, with Pasco and T.Y. Hill. And I love it, Mayte. So hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. we got more talk coming up there. We're going to do that when we close out the show. But next up, a, a guy that's high in demand. 
High in demand around the NFL. And his rise to where he's at in the NFL right now as offensive coordinator, pretty significant, pretty quick. We're talking about the Colts' Marcus Brady, the offensive coordinator. Now, he's fresh off a of victory. He won as the head coach of the East-West Shrine game. Yeah. He, uh, he's going to talk about that experience, which is really cool. I don't care where you go. If you're a head coach and you win a football game, that's doing your job. That's It's tough enough as it is. So, Marcus Brady, congratulations. We'll get the latest on that. Plus, his first year in Indy as the offensive offensive coordinator and don't forget all these Colts coaching staff changers are right around the corner this is the last word 93.5 the fan this is your weekly fix on Colts football the last word with Jeffrey Gorman and Matt Taylor from the power home solar radio studio Yep, it's the last word. Maytay voice to the Colts. He's the only talent on this show. My name is Jeffrey Goreman. we got a good one coming up for you with Marcus Brady, so hold tight. But don't forget, you can download the weekly official Colts podcast featuring latest news, analysis, insight, interviews regarding your Colts. This week, Maytay, you got out of bed a little bit early. You hopped on with our friends J.J. Stankovitz and Lara Overton. What were you guys? At least I got out of bed this week. Yeah, I know. I couldn't do it. And I couldn't do it. I know, Fox. I should have been on it, but I was it but mate thank you for covering what were you guys chirping about yeah this week we just talked about you know the rams winning the super bowl you know what does that mean for the colts what does that mean for the rest of the nfl in terms of roster construction personnel what do you need to be a super bowl contending team so we diagnose that and then next week we've got the start of the free agent tracker podcast jeffrey we're gonna take a look at some some key in-house free agents a couple of those guys per week leading into free agency at the start or the middle of next month. Um, so next week, we're going to take a look at Eric Fisher's candidacy, and we're going to take a look at some of the pass rushers that we talked about in segment one. You know, who do the Colts bring back of that group? You know, is it going to be Kamoka Ture? Is it going to be Al-Kadim Muhammad, Taekwon Lewis? Uh, so we've got that next week. And then also, starting next Thursday, uh, our Inside the Draft series. Uh, we're going to talk to draft insiders and experts leading into late April. That's going to start next week ahead of the Combine, and we're going to talk to Jordan Reed from ESPN.com. So I think next week we're going to have a big piece of audio content every single day of the week on the Colts Audio Network, Colts.com, and the Colts mobile app. We got you covered on the podcast right now on Colts.com, the Colts mobile app, and the Colts Audio Network. Anywhere you download your podcast, we are supplying it, getting you ready for the NFL. I love it. Getting you ready for the NFL offseason. How, how, I, how I say that, I have no idea. How are you getting ready for the NFL offseason? Because I guess that's how we, what we do is like as there soon as go. the whistle blows to end the Super Bowl, <laughs> we're looking at, hey, how many cornerbacks will we carry next year? Exactly. You know what I mean? It's like exactly. Exactly. Anyway, all the latest information on the Colts Audio Network. Anywhere you get your podcast, it's a great one, so download it. Now, let's talk about Marcus Brady, the offensive coordinator of your Colts. Earlier in the week, he joined Matt Taylor to discuss his experience at the East-West Shrine Bowl a few weeks ago. Brady starts talking about what the opportunity to be a head coach in a college all-star game. Pretty cool, man. Pretty cool what that meant to him. Oh, it was a great experience. You know, I enjoyed my time there working with, uh, you know, different people across league obviously we had a couple guys from here on staff um, working together and then just all of us kind of being in a different role um, that was a great experience for all of us and then you know for me particularly just just you know just dealing with other issues that you know as, as a head coach and you know managing everything both sides of the ball and right. special teams and, um, so it was good how did that how did that opportunity come about for you to be the head coach of, of one of those teams in the Shrine Bowl uh, well I did it two years ago as the coordinator um, down there when it was in, in Tampa. Um, and then, you know, Chris, 
you know, Ballard, he, he kind of formats a, puts a list together of some of the coaches on staff uh, that would be interested. And um, he reached out to us and um, he said, you know, I'm going to put your name in to um, be a candidate to get selected as a head coach. And then I got the call or got the call maybe like a week before it was going to happen. And um, so once they called and selected me, I was like, yeah, I definitely would love the opportunity. Yeah, I mean, that, that's that's an absolute no-brainer right there. I mean, that's that's got to make you feel pretty proud to be selected in, in, in a pretty deep candidate pool, I would assume, uh, to be the head coach no of one of those All-Star no games. Doubt. Yeah, I definitely feel honored that, I, you know, that they chose me for that opportunity and grateful for the, you know, be able to get that experience there. Also there, Colts tight ends coach Clayton Adams. He was your offensive coordinator and then quality control coach for the Colts. Uh, Gerard Johnson, he was the quarterback's coach on your squad in that All-Star game. What was that experience like for those guys? I thought it was excellent for them. You know, they were able to, you know, get up, install. Uh, the three of us kind of, because we were all three together, we kind of put in a little bit of, you know, some of our offense. So we all worked together in that aspect of it. Uh, but, it, you know, I allowed them to kind of get the true experience mm-hmm. as far as, you know, Clayton did the install. He ran the room in the offensive meeting room. Um Gerard obviously ran the room in the quarterback's room, did a phenomenal job there, and uh, uh, he did the pass game install, Clayton did the run game install, so, you know, we kind of all worked together there. Yeah, I mean, that's all of these guys come from different backgrounds, different offenses, uh, different coaching trees, if you will. How collaborative is it putting together an offense for a college all-star game? Because you don't want to get, right, you only have so much time with these guys, you don't want to get too complex, too nuanced, so what's that balance between putting in the offense, but also keeping it manageable for everybody involved. Right. Um, well, the thing is that was, that was easier is because I have coached in this game, I still had that playbook from two years ago. <laughs> nice. Um, and it was, it was essentially, you know, a Colts offense, maybe a few, a few little different things that were just kind of trying out some other stuff. Um, and so, and then the fact that, you know, Clayton was the coordinator, mm-hmm. we weren't really trying to get too much new stuff collaborative from other staff. So it was more so, okay, this is the offense we're going to run. We only have a short amount of time, so you can only teach so much. And it was limited to what you can do in the game because you can only be in two-by-two formation. You can't motion, um, no shifts. So it's pretty dialed down to what what you can do. That's Marcus Brady, offensive coordinator for the Indianapolis Colts, fresh off the win as the head coach of the West team uh, from the East-West Shrine game. How much coaching and, and development happens that week leading up to the game in practice with the players, between the players and the coaching staff? Uh, well, quite a bit, I would say, even in a short time in that week, because you're teaching them new schemes, you're teaching them new terminology. Um, but at the same time, we're also there to evaluate, because you know these are guys that's going to be in the draft as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you're trying to evaluate how they interact in the, you know, in the classroom. Can they take their teaching to to on the field? How they interact with people out there? Uh, just as you're trying to learn the person. Um, um, but then that same, you know, you're teaching them stuff that they may not have got that type of coaching um, down, at the, you know, in college. Uh, because you're teaching them, you know, more of a pro-style system. Um, and they, I thought, for the most part, all the players, I mean, they took to it. And they, I thought they did a great job of kind of um, being coachable. That's Marcus Brady with us, offensive coordinator for the Colts. You talked about this earlier, but just how different was it? Because you're the head coach, you know, going from the offensive coordinator for the Colts, now you're the head coach in this All-Star game. How different is it having to, to manage the game? You're the head guy, right? You have to manage the clock. You have to weigh fourth down decisions you have all these different voices in your head how different was that aspect of the job for you yeah um, definitely different uh, as far as uh, <laughs> well the opening drive drove down the field uh, you know I started off calling the game 
Um, but we drove right down the field and got into a decision. It was fourth and fourth and goal at the two yard line. What are you doing? <laughs> uh, of course, uh, went for it. Didn't get it, but freaking defense went out there, got three and out. They punted it, gave us great field position. We drove right back down and scored a touchdown. So um, that felt good. Um, and then you just make decisions. Okay, do I take the opportunity? Do I put our kicker? Uh, I, mean, I think he, uh, he attempted like a 50 yard field goal. Um, I think he missed the next one, but I still gave him another shot the next time and he hit it. Um, didn't have challenges in the game, so I didn't have to deal with that. Um, so those are kind of some of the situations um, that I had to deal with and the potential, you know, timeout before the half yeah. of when to use it when the defense was out there, uh, things like that. But uh, it was a good experience. Did that experience, did you come away with a, a bigger appreciation for NFL head coaches and maybe a, a bigger thirst for being a head coach in the NFL, you know, for yourself one day? Uh, no doubt. Definitely uh, appreciate um, that opportunity and you, know, you learn from you know guys that make them are in those positions now across the league the 32 guys that are doing it and you know have to manage the game that way uh, but I'm always even you know as a corner now I'm always putting my um, myself in those positions uh, right. okay what would I do here um, and at the same time I mean Frank and I do have those conversations you know before the game starts so you know you're preparing yourself that if we do get in situations that way it's not just a knee-jerk reaction it's right. you know we've had these discussions um so i'm part of that as well absolutely that you know the east west shrine game you know the senior bowl those are probably the the two big ones in terms of draft development and getting all of these guys in one place to kind of see how they stack up apples to apples comparison in terms of competition um how beneficial was that experience for you going into this draft for the colts and and just why are these showcase games, these NFL or these these college all-star games, I should say, why are they such a good radar for who might be available for you in the draft uh, when you guys are picking starting in the second round? Yeah, you just get an opportunity to be, get a close-up view of who these guys are. Um, and, you, and I always think that it's even more, you know, being able to coach that game, it's more important being able to get that time in the classrooms and then on the field at practice, more so even just watching them in, at the game. Um because, you know, the games, they just go, you know, different things happen, comes up, you may not get the, those players may not get an opportunity because the ball didn't go their way. Mm-hmm. But at practice, they, you know, you're able to see how they compete, how they do in one-on-one settings, um, in one-on-one competition, and then seven-on-seven team situations, you get a little bit more, and then you just get to interact with them and discuss with them, make a correction when them in the walkthrough, see if they can make that, that correction for the walkthrough and do it actually in practice. and. So you, you gain a lot from from those experiences. That's Marcus Brady, offensive coordinator for the Indianapolis Colts. Let's go back and, and talk about you, your, your first year as the OC in Indianapolis. What were your big takeaways, you know, your first year on the job orchestrating or partly orchestrating this Colts offense? Right. Um, you know, you know, being in this league, you know, it's a tough league. Um, but, you know, I thought we did a lot of good things offensively um, overall. Um, obviously didn't end the way we wanted to end, um, but we did some really good things, something that we could build off, um, you know, as the offense and things that we're going to take a look at this off season to get improve and get better. Um, but it was a great experience. Loved it. Loved the guys that, that I'm able to work with both, you know, um, on staff as well as the players that I'm working with. How much of the Colts offensive game plan throughout the week leading into Sunday, how much of that is a collaborative effort between you, Frank Reich, and the rest of the offensive staff? It's very collaborative. You know, we all got like our sections. Um, you know, someone's working, you know, we have a coach working um, red zone. We have a guy working short yardage goal line, um, you know, run game, you know, Strauss looking at run game. And then mm-hmm. we all get back together. You know, we bring our, those like, 
someone heads that, but it's usually like two or three guys in that area so that they could bounce ideas off of each other. But then we come together, you know, um, myself, Frank, and then we all come together. Okay, these are the thoughts. This is what we like. This is why we like it. Right. And then we kind of go through the process. Uh, we don't like that. Maybe not. Or, okay, we love this. Let's keep that in. So um, it's very collaborative. Uh, we have a great staff, great minds um, putting, putting the plan together. Marcus Brady with us, offensive coordinator for the Indianapolis Colts. Final couple of things. I know this guy's on the other side of the ball, but just your thoughts on on new Colts defensive coordinator Gus Bradley now in the fold and what he adds from a personality standpoint and from a coaching standpoint to this Colts staff overall. Yeah, I mean, from a coaching standpoint, I mean, I, you know, I've coached against him, mm-hmm. um, you know, the last four years. He's always um, done a great job with his defenses, very sound um, with what they do. Um, had a lot of success, you know, his time what Jacksonville, Chargers, last year at the Raiders. Um, I thought he did a great job. Um, that, that year as well. And then um, as far as I haven't really got a chance to know him too much, you know, uh, when he when he got the job, sent him a text, and then I met him um, briefly in the building. But even like this week being in the building, I mean, he's got like interviews every hour. So you know he's trying to fill his staff. So right. I haven't had a chance to, you know, talk too much with him, but sure. he seems like a great guy. Looking forward to working with him. Um, I know he's had, he's had a ton of success in this league. Uh, players are going to respect him, and I know he's going to do a great job for that side of the ball. All right, Coach. Lastly, what what about you? What does your off season look like? Let's say between now and and the combine later this month into February, the uh, start of next month in, in March. Right. So, I mean, the balance right now is uh, evaluating. You know, evaluate free agents first. We're going to evaluate guys coming out in the draft. Um, you know, write our reports on that, but then at the same time, going back and evaluating our own guys and evaluating what we do as the offense. Um, schematically, you know, mm-hmm. how can we improve, how we can, how we can get better, um, whether it's do we need to change a scheme, do we need to add a scheme, you know, we're doing some research, watch what some other teams are doing, or maybe it could just be a minor tweak of, you know, a player, well, let's ask, let's teach this player a different technique, or maybe he just needs, to, a player needs to improve that technique to make this play get better. So it's, it's just about collaborating, just kind of going through and finding ways that, you know, we can get better overall. Yeah, I mean, people ask me all the time, and I'm sure you get this a lot too. It's, you know, once the season's over, Coach, you know, what do you do? What what keeps you busy? You just talked about the free agent profiles that you put together. How extensive, how exhaustive is that? You know, you talk about a profile. What does that mean? How much effort goes into putting one of those together? Yeah, I mean, you know, scouting department, they, they narrow it down, give you a list of guys that – um, that could possibly be targets for us. And then, you know, as, as coaches, we'll go through and just, you know, watch their film, um, see how they play, you know, see what their strengths, their weaknesses, how can they, you know, if we do after a guy like that, how can he improve us, you know, offensively, defensively? Um, you know, how can we utilize that skill set? And should this be a guy that we go target? So mm-hmm. uh, that's kind of what we're going to go through. Indeed. That's Marcus Brady, offensive coordinator for the Indianapolis Colts. Coach, thanks as always for the time. Know you're Always a busy man like we just chronicled. Good luck this offseason. Good luck heading into the Combine, and we'll talk to you down the road as we get closer to the offseason workout program in the spring. Sounds good, Matt. Thanks for having me again. Mate, the rise of Marcus Brady. You don't slow guys down like that in the NFL. From coming from Canada as a former quarterback and rising up the offensive ranks at a very, very hurriedly pace like that, the guy's a superstar. You know it. Yeah, good dude, too. I mean, really, really good guy. Laid back, as you just heard, easy to talk to. And, I mean, he's in a really good spot. I mean, right now, if you are an assistant coach for the Indianapolis Colts, 
you're in a good position because in, in each of the last two seasons, right, Nick Sirianni's a head coach, Matt Eberflus is a head coach. Right. I mean, anybody that does this for a living at this level has aspirations to be a head coach in the National Football League. You know, Marcus Brady's name is going to be in that mix here, I think, way sooner than later. Oh, in the mix and, and in the headsets. The guys have the guys a head right. coach one day. Who knows if it's next season, three seasons, ten seasons down the road. That's what kind of guy he is. Good stuff by you, Maytay. Keep doing those uh, interviews with the coaching staff because the the door that you talked about, like, the, you know, the, I mean, gosh darn, we got to fill it. We still got to fill out spots on this coaching roster on both right. sides of the ball. No doubt. So this is going to be the biggest changeover and, you know, just quantity Ooh. of turnover that we've seen in this, you know, era of football, if you will, since Frank Reich took over in 2018, basically an, an entire new defensive staff with Gus Bradley and his assistant coaches. Some changeover here on the offensive side of the ball as well, which is going to impact. Who's Marcus that Brady. wide? Re- who's that wide receiver coach going to be, Mate? <laughs> we shall see. We shall teaser, see. Teaser, teaser, teaser. All right, folks, don't go anywhere. After this quick timeout, and then I got some Super Bowl runner-up trivia. What teams do traditionally after they get waxed in the Super Bowl the following year? Cincinnati Bengals. We're talking to you. We're also going to open up the NFL grab bag and discuss if those new overtime rules are coming to the NFL playoffs next season. Hopefully that's right. And will the NFL be going international? And where in 2022? We got a whole lot more on the last word. 93.5, 107.5, the fan. We talk Colts football every Friday on the last word. The offseason home of the Colts with Jeffrey Gorman and Matt Taylor. Welcome back to The Last Word. Jeffrey Gorman, Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts is here. We got the NFL grab bag coming up. Plus, we got the Forum Credit Union question of the week. I forgot one Super Bowl story that I thought was funny. Yeah, laying on. So I'm, I'm over at a, an area L.A. hotel, if you will. And Danny Nucci, a guy who acted in Titanic and Erasure and, you know, The Rock <laughs> and all the Crimson Tide. He's a buddy of ours, Danny Nucci. OK, so he's got this new look with glasses. He's got salt and pepper, gray hair and stuff and a slight beard. And so we're at this hotel in Super Bowl. We're in the lobby. And guess who walks in? You can't miss him from across the block. The big man, Shaquille O'Neal. OK, okay? yeah. All right. So. So we're sitting there at any time. I just saw him in Houston, too, not too long ago. A few months back when we were playing the Texans, I saw him at a hotel and had a chance to say hi to him there. But this time, not too no, much wait, wait of a, a chance minute. to say are you just Are you just going up to Shaq, tapping him on the shoulder and saying, hey, Hey, Shaq, how you doing? Jeffrey Gorman. No, 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 no. But I did in Houston because we were both waiting at the car valet, waiting for our cars. So he was 10 feet away, and I finally went up, big dog. How you doing, Diesel? What's going on? Hey, man, how you doing? He's really fun, really sweet. You know, he's very gregarious. He's got his crew around him and everything. It was great. So so anyway, we're walking in. We see the big man coming in. We're over off to the side. So he kind of veers off to the right and doesn't stop walking, but looks at my friend Danny Nucci, and he goes, hey, Geraldo, good to see you. (laughs) And then we look, and we didn't put it together that he does. He sort of looks like Geraldo Rivera. I mean, and we just about spit up laughing. But the best part about it, though, Matt, the best part about it is Shaq did not miss a beat. He didn't stop. He didn't He didn't pause. He did nothing. He just kept walking right by, and he goes, hey, Geraldo, how you doing? You know, that big voice. Oh, my gosh, we were dying. Yeah, exactly. We were just buckled over dying, man, I tell you. So that's another Super Bowl story. Thanks, Shaq. We'll see him again down 
down the Czech road, is and a I'll funny share it. Dude. He is oh a funny guy. God. Anytime he's on one of those late night shows, you know, dude, he's the best. Or Fallon, the best. I mean, he is that. You, you got to sit there and watch because he no, is that, that dry humor that you're talking about. It's can't you're miss. drawn to him, and, and it's a size. <laughs> you know, just his size. He's so. I mean, it's incredible. Anyway, Shaqie, thanks for the laugh because our stomachs were hurting afterwards. Now listen, time for uh, we're gonna clock out. <laughs> all right, we got how the. You, how you doing, Geraldo? How you doing, Geraldo? This game, man, we died. All right, listen, I got to get through this. The Forum Credit Union question of the week. The Bengals, they come up short last Sunday against the Rams. How many times has a loser of the Super Bowl gone on to win the Super Bowl the following season, Tay, That's a good one. Think about this one. It happened not so long ago, and then it did happen so long ago. So twice then? Is yeah. that the answer? Twice? Oh, uh, dadgummit, I just blew it, didn't yeah, I? Yeah, you did. You did. Uh, uh, but I know, I know the Patriots did it not that long ago. But yeah, I Yeah, in no 2019, I- they got waxed by the Eagles, the Philly special. They lost 41-33. And then they the got, next year, they, they came back. Eight. They got waxed. <laughs> well, they came back. <laughs> they come back, and then they beat the Rams and McVay 13-3 the following year. So they did that. And then in 72, you got to go back to the perfect year for the, when the Dolphins beat the Washington team 14-7 after losing to Dallas 20 24 to 3 in the Super Bowl uh, the previous season. All right, that's go. a good one. That's a good poll. And why do I sound smart week in and week out on the Forum Credit Union question of the week? It's because I have the answers right in front of me. <laughs> Forum you are Alec, Credit Union. You're Alex Trebek, that's why. <laughs> yes. Uh, right, select. All right, don't forget, visit the fan forum section of the Colts.com. Interact with the other fans online if you want. Post a topic. Participate in various discussions regarding your Colts Forum Credit Union, helping members live their finances. Financial dreams, go ahead, bust out the grab bag. The NFL never sleeps. This is the NFL Grab Bag on the last word. All right, the NFL Grab Bag brought to you by our friends at Meyer Local Sports. They're a victory for our entire community, building leaders, teaching integrity, sparking our economy. That's why Meyer is proud to sponsor local sports throughout Indiana because when we support the home team, Mate, we all win. Let's go to overtime. Speaking of winning, uh, this is archaic. Uh, what, else, what other big words can I use for this rule in the NFL? Uh, two things. Antiquated. Two, uh, antiquated, that's a yeah. good one. Archaic. Two things I don't understand about the NFL, and we're going to get there. Two things I don't understand. It's just evolution, that's all. Number one, the overtime rules. If, if Team A wins a coin flip, and they're happy enough that a, or lucky enough that a defensive back falls down, and they score a touchdown, game over. Now, if they don't do that, they have some trouble, they get to fourth down, they kick a field goal, we'll give you an opportunity to tie it up. But not if you score a touchdown. Matt, it makes zero sense. These are elite athletes, elite offenses. We saw the Buffalo Bills-Kansas City game. We saw what these quarterbacks can and will do. Don't put handcuffs on these teams, for gosh sakes. Level the playing field, and who cares about a coin flip? You do get that out of the way. Find out who gets the ball first, but my gosh, win, lose, or draw on a drive to the end zone, you give both quarterbacks the football and let them go in overtime. So the the proposal is, right, if, if the team that gets the ball first scores a touchdown, the team that kicked off to start overtime would then get a chance to match, possess the ball. After that, the game goes to sudden death, right? That's that's what's being talked about. Right. I actually, right. I, actually I don't have a problem with the current overtime rules, to be honest with you. The spirit of the overtime rule is to end games quickly in the vein of player safety. Like, that's why it exists. Now, that being said, I don't have a problem with this new rule either. I think it that's good, too. Now, here's where it, it might get interesting, though. If the first team scores 
the second team gets a chance to go on offense. If they score a touchdown too, do they go for two? Because they would run the risk of kicking off again to the other team knowing that from here on out or from there on out, the next score wins. It's sudden death. That to me would be interesting. You know? I get it, but Matt, you know, that's all I, I, I get it, but that's coming into game planning and being strategical and stuff. My thing is this, give the guy, the quarterback drives the league. That's the bottom line. Offenses drive the league. Offensive names drive the league. Lamar Jackson, Mahomes, Burrow, go on and on and on. So give these guys, don't don't handcuff them. Do, people want to see what they do, and that's it in the ultimate big picture. And I know there's a lot of other subsidiaries and little side exit ramps and everything I'm not talking about. Bottom line, give both quarterbacks the football, whether they score three or whether they score six. That's my opinion. That's why they're in the stands. That's why the ratings are what they are, to watch guys like Josh Allen and Mahomes do what they do. I, I agree with you, but I also – I mean, I, I know this is not a popular opinion. So but you're I, not agreeing with me. Okay. I agree with you that I would like to see both teams possess the ball in overtime. But that being said, I didn't have a problem with the current overtime rules. You, you got to play football, and part of playing football is playing defense if you don't win the coin toss. You're good. Good point. Good point. Defense is part of the game. You're right. All right, let's switch gears. Let's go down to Miami. What is going on with the Dolphins and their owner, Stephen Ross, their former coach, Brian Flores? It's still up in the air. It's not hot news like it was two weeks ago, but Brian Flores says that the uh, team owner of the Dolphins, Stephen Ross, offered him money to lose games to better their draft stock. Right. It's clear the league takes the possibility of taking extremely seriously, Matt. I mean, it's a threat to the integrity of the game, and they talked about it for years. But this, we're talking about an owner right now, and an owner, by the way, that has vehemently denied Flores' uh, what, it, what it, the charges that Flores came up with regarding him. You know, Goodell says, hey, we're going to look into this matter, and it is a big deal, even if it's not true. We will find out the answers on this thing. What happens, Matt? What happens if there is some, I don't know if it's an audio thing, and I'm just, you know, I'm just right. reaching at straws right now. But if it's not on video or anything like that, it's a he said, she said type of thing sure. when it comes to this, where Flores saying, hey, they offered me money to lose games. And Ross says, no, they don't. What do you think can happen from this? And if there was if there was some truth to this, dare I say, and I hate to put people out of work, but does Stephen Ross have to look at possibly, you know, selling this football team? If it's proven that he offered money to tank games, which is going to be hard to do, like you said, you're going to need it on you're gonna, you know, yeah, audio, yeah, audio or, video or something. something. Yeah, but yeah. if it is proven that he offered money to purposely lose games, then I think he should not own an NFL team. If you pay great money, and you do, I mean, if you're going to an NFL game, regardless of where you are in the country, you're paying good money to get into these games. Every player, every coach, every fan um, should not have to wonder if things are on the up and up. Now, that being yeah. said, I, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Jeffrey, I don't think in the history of the league, I don't think an owner has ever been stripped from his team so this would be unprecedented but that being said if it's if it's proven that he offered money to lose games on purpose I don't think he should own a team. Hey, more will be revealed on that front. But between Daniel Snyder and what's going on with Stephen Ross, hold on. Always an interesting offseason. Now, Jim Ursay, Colts owner, tweeting about where are we going next season. Not meaning like as a football team. He means literally, are we going overseas to play football? Mate, there are 10 teams that are going to be playing games internationally in 2022. Mm -hmm. They'll be in Munich, Germany. They will be in Mexico. And there will be three in London. My mm -hmm. first question and second question. A, 
Will the Colts play internationally next season? And B, where will they go? I think there's a pretty good chance because we know the Jaguars are going back to London. So there's always that chance to play them, uh, you know, inside the AFC South. I think it's it's kind of around that time, right? Because 2022 next season will mark six seasons since the Colts last went to London. And they've got some marquee games next season. If you look at the schedule, you're playing the Cowboys. That's a sexy matchup. Kansas City. You got the Steelers. You got the Patriots. And you got some big name you know, mm-hmm. teams with a lot of NFL cachet on the schedule next season. That might be sexy enough to take you know, the NFL's rushing champ and Jonathan Taylor and the Colts overseas to play in front of uh, in front of some international fans. I'm just saying this. I have zero idea, background, anything on it. It's just a gut. It's just a gut. We're going to Germany. Yeah, let's We're go. We're going to Munich. I mean, that's <laughs> what it is. It's like, hey, let's go. We're taking on the Bucks in Munich. Was, no, it's be, Jeffrey Was Max do in Diner Freizeit. What do you do in oh. your free time? There you go. I took four years of German in, in high school, so I can go and order some food. I can get you around town a little bit. Guten Tag, you schnitzel. How's it going? <laughs> All right. All right. We'll find out more. Schedule release down the road. Obviously, I'm going to say this and say it again. You want any information? All right. Anything. Latest happenings on the Colts. You can go to the Colts app or uh, or go to Colts.com because you got all all our uh, friendly voices on there. I'm a I'm a bag of wind on there myself. I'm not going to lie. But Maytay knows what he's talking about. Lara Overton, JJ Stankovic, they're all there getting you ready for the NFL upcoming draft, the offseason, etc. So be sure to download the Colts app and go to Colts. Dot com. That's it. We're going to wrap it up. Coming up next on ESPN, got Spain and Fitz. May take keep the shovel handy. Hopefully the <laughs> temperatures go up. Uh, I'm going to put on a little extra sunscreen for you this yeah, weekend. Yeah, just yeah. just so you know, I'll be covered, my friend. I will be covered. Best of luck in Indianapolis. Maytay, voice of the Colts. Week in and week out, we do it. Right here on 93.5, 107.5. This is the last word. We're going to talk to you next week.